For our final week in Thessalonians, we look at what will be happening on the earth at the Lord's second coming. And Paul gives some closing encouragement as he signs off. Now open your Bibles and prepare your hearts for Thessalonians. Get your Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and chapter 3. And today is going to be another exciting day. We talked about the second coming a couple weeks ago, so if you're new with us, First of all, you can catch up. This is our last week of our series in Thessalonians, uh, but you can hear the whole series online. Uh, but two weeks ago, we talked about uh, the second coming of Christ, and we, we talked about what it's going to look like. You'll find that in First uh, Thessalonians. Um, and today, we're going to revisit that because Paul brings it back. And he talks about the, the coming of the Lord, but he talks about it from a different side. He talks about it from, well, what's going to happen on earth when I come again? What is the earth, how's the earth going to respond? And that's the title of my message, as the earth and our response. And so Paul really uh, gives us some insight on what's going to be happening on the earth and what is our response as followers of Christ, regardless of what's happening, how do we respond? And so I I wanted to look at those two things today. Uh, And before I do, let's kind of open up and let's look at uh, chapter two of 2 Thessalonians. Let's let's read the first couple uh, verses so we can uh, prepare our hearts and get ready. Uh, And here's what it says. Now, uh, starting in verse one. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and gathering together to him, we ask you, Not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or word or by letter, as is from us, as though the day of Christ had come. And so Paul, again, writing from the perspective of he believes the day of the Lord is coming in his time frame when he was on earth. He believes that it could be any moment, any day. Uh, But he also says, look, I don't want you to be troubled. I don't want you to be fearful. I don't want this to shake or rattle you. But I do want you to know. He said this when he introduced the coming of the Lord. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want to make sure you know what the Lord has said and what's going to happen and what it's going to look like. Uh, Now, he doesn't give dates or times. He doesn't tell you uh, dispositions or or what that looks like. Uh, I know that's kind of the the age that we live in. Uh, Paul just says, look, it could be any moment. And I just need you to know. I need you to understand. And that's the way he's writing. I, I believe Paul really believed that he would see the coming of the Lord. I really believe Paul lived every day as it could be any moment, any second of any day, uh, much like we should live that same way. Um, but he says, I don't want you to be fearful. And I believe the church, uh, in a negative way, has taken the second coming of Christ to fear people into salvation. And that never was God's intentions. Uh, but I think many of you, maybe you've been in uh, you know, an experience like that or a service like that where they use the, the tribulation or the second coming and they try to fear people into a relationship with Jesus uh, and Paul's saying, look, that's not, that's not the purpose of why I'm telling you this. The purpose isn't for fear. The purpose isn't so your faith is rattled or troubled. And the purpose definitely is not uh, in any way uh, to get people to do something that they don't want to do just because you're, you're giving them this information. Uh, the purpose of this is, is so, you, so you know and you have the faith and you can understand uh, that there is a... We, we, not, we want to have a relationship with God that we understand him fully. We understand that God is good. God is graceful, God is salvation, he's merciful, but God is also a judge, and he's a good judge. He's an amazing judge. He's never made a wrong decision. He lived perfectly. He'll never make a wrong decision. Uh, But a lot of times, uh, we don't like to see that, or we don't see it in that type of frame. So when we think about the judgment of Christ, uh, we don't like really, we like it, but we don't like it especially as believers. We, we, we love that God's a good judge, and I hope that you're in that place that I trust that God will always make the right decision. He'll never be wrong. But sometimes this is a difficult topic to talk about, that there will actually be people that will spend eternity away from Jesus in hell, and that's a really tough thing to think about. 
but I, I can just assure you of this, that God's never been wrong. And his intention and desires have never been wrong. And so today, as we talk about this, I just I want you to understand that God is, a, is an amazing judge. And just think about it. If, if you have ever had something go wrong against you and you've ever had to go to court uh, and somebody's really purposely been wrong to you, you want that judge to make the right call, don't you? Uh, so in our world and in our earth, we want a good judge. We want good justice uh, for people. And it's true spiritually as, as well. We need to make sure that we have a good judge. And I'm so thankful that Jesus lived perfectly. And when it comes time to judge, he will perfectly judge every single time. He'll never make a wrong choice or wrong decision. Um, so that's kind of, I just want to kind of give you that caveat as we get into this. So let's talk about the earth's response a little bit. So what happens? The, coming to, the second coming of the Lord is going to happen, but let's look at what's happening on earth. And let's read it first, and then I'll break it down for you, starting in verse 3. It says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for, the day, uh, for that day will not come unless the falling of away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, um, another translation is the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, and so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's a lot to say in one sentence. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken, taken out of the way. And when the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming, the coming of the lawless one is, in, is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders." And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, that they, may, that they should believe the lie, that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so this is where Paul says, look, there, when, is, when the coming of the Lord happens, you're going to see some responses on the earth. You're going to see a, an attitude. You're going to see a, a pattern in, in life. And he breaks it down. And so I'm not going to read this again, but I'm going to give you kind of uh, just a few things that you're going to see. And by the way, uh, Paul saw some of the same things that we see today. And so it wasn't like Paul was saying, these things are going to happen. He really believed and he really saw a lot of the unrighteousness we see today in our world, Paul also had in his world. I know the experience may be different, the way you see it, how you see it, the way it's perceiving itself may be different, uh, but I just need you to see that the root's always been there. That the root of sin, the root of evil, the root of unrighteousness, the, the root of steal, kill, and destroy has always been after all of us. And Paul is saying, hey, this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to feel like. This is what the earth's response to the coming of the Lord will be. First, the false gospel and the great falling away, it says in verse 3. There's going to be a, a false gospel and a great falling away. Now notice, <clears throat> Paul has been telling this all the, all the time to Thessalonians, don't be deceived, don't be deceived, don't be deceived. He writes this in every epistle to every church he writes to. Don't be deceived, saying that there is deception happening right there where he is. And we talked about this in the first week of Thessalonians, uh, how he really challenged one of the false teachings that were out there. But he says there's a false gospel. There, there is a, a truth that's being communicated or a false truth that's being communicated that you need to be careful of. 
And he's really speaking to these Thessalonians, look, this is one of the signs. This is one of the things that's going to be happening on the earth. This is one of the responses that there's going to be a false copy. And there's going to be a great falling away. Listen to this. It doesn't mean, as believers, that you stop preaching the gospel. It doesn't mean that we don't stop doing the mandate that Christ has given us to take the gospel into all the earth, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You don't stop doing that because there's a great falling away. Just recognize that there is a false gospel, there is deception, there is people that are taking people away and deceiving purposefully, and people are going to start to believe these false teachings. For you as believers, it doesn't mean that your mission changes. Your mission doesn't change. But you've got to understand that the earth is responding to the hypocrisy and the lying and the deception that's on the earth. And so Paul, uh, I, again, he truly believed this was happening in his time. There was false teachings. There was people falling away in his time. And there are today as well. Maybe it's more magnified today. Maybe it's in a greater way today. But regardless, the same uh, deceptive spirit is on the earth that was there with Paul. And so he's saying, this is what the earth is going to look like. This is what is going to happen when, the, uh, when Christ comes. Next, the man of sin is revealed. How about that for a title? Jesus is known as the son of man, but the Antichrist is known as the man of sin, the man of perdition. That this is somebody that is going to justify sin. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But the Antichrist will be revealed. He'll be identified. Now, I just want you to know, everybody in every generation has named somebody. Paul himself, we'll talk about this in a second. Paul himself believed that the Antichrist was rising, was going to reveal himself in his time, and he said it was the governor of Rome. He truly believed that that was the Antichrist. Now, a lot of believers throughout history from any of every generation has named somebody. Hitler, some, they've named somebody. All of our presidents, I think, have been called an antichrist. I think every one of them have. Okay? So I'm just saying that it's not about the name. When the antichrist rises, we're all going to know. It will be revealed. I certainly understand that a lot of what we're seeing on the earth is, is, uh, is unified by what Paul's saying, that people are falling away. There is a lot of false gospel. Just last week, Farrakhan said that he was the Messiah. False. False. And I love what he said. If I'm not, then kill me. You're going down, my friend. Watch what you pray for. There's going to be a lot of people that say they're the Messiah. There's going to be a lot of people that say that they're Jesus. There's going to be a lot of people that say they're God. But there's going to be one, the Antichrist, that's giving a moment of time where he gets a lot of influence and a lot of power. And that's the next thing. He's going to be revealed, whoever it would be. I certainly have my opinions, but it doesn't matter what my opinion is. Whoever the Antichrist will be, it will be revealed, and here's what's going to happen. Here's, here's what uh, the scriptures say, the Antichrist. Here's his, uh, if you could just say, here's his, uh, I guess, his sheet of, of accomplishments. Here's what's going to happen. First of all, he's a counterfeit of Christ. So you need to know, and I need to know, he's a counterfeit. Satan was created. The Antichrist will be created. They can't create. They can only counterfeit what God's already created. And you're going to see that in what he describes. Uh, first, this is, this is one of the things the Antichrist will do. He'll exalt himself above all that is called God and all that is worshipped. Notice he kind of 
speaks against every religion that's out there. Anything that's called God, Christianity, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father, I'm above all those things. I'm above Muslims. I'm above Muhammad. I'm above all. I am God is what he says. I am God is what the Antichrist will say. Not only will he say, I am God, but he's going to exalt himself in a way. And what he's going to remember, these are all counterfeits. Jesus said, I am. So obviously the Antichrist is going to say, no, I am. So he's counterfeiting. So here's another way he's counterfeiting. Notice he always goes back to the God that threw him out of heaven. And he says this. He sits as God in the temple of God. Listen, church. If we go back to where God lives in a building, there's a problem. And this is what the Antichrist is going to do. He's going to use a temple, a building, and he's going to exalt himself in some way. I'm sure there's going to be a big chair that's exalted, and we're all going to go, not we, but the world, the earth, is all going to respond by worshiping the Antichrist, and they're going to go to this temple. They're going to go to a place where they think they have to worship at God. Does that remind you of anything? The Old Testament, doesn't it? Jesus used to dwell in the Holy of Holies. You know, there used to be, the people used to go to the temple. The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. Uh, there would be a certain person that could only go in there uh, a certain amount of times a year, the high priest. Again, it's a counterfeit. The Antichrist is going to bring back what used to be, but we live in a better covenant. And think about this. The Antichrist cannot create. God put the, God now dwells where? In us. The Antichrist can't do that. The Holy Spirit, the temple is our body. The Antichrist can't do that. It's not possible. Out of all of the power that he has, it's not possible for him to live in believers like the Holy Spirit. So he's going to counterfeit and bring it back to a temple, to a place where you must go worship God in which he'll manifest himself and exalt himself and, and corruptly and deceitfully try to get people to bow down and worship him. Again, catch the counterfeit. He'll be revealed soon is what Paul says. He says not only will he be revealed sin soon, he'll be the mystery of lawlessness. Now, what's the mystery of lawlessness? Well, uh, here's what I believe and a lot of scholars believe. It's where you justify sin to be truth, to be good. We're seeing it today, and I'm sure Paul was seeing it, right? That all sin is okay. That the mystery of lawlessness is, is that lawlessness is no longer lawlessness. You're doing what God tells you to do, and if he tells you to sin, and all sin is okay, then keep going. The false gospel is that we can all sin and keep sinning and not care about how we sin, that we're all going to go to God, and at some point, we're all doing good works, and at some point, we're all going to go to heaven. That's a lie, but that's what deception says. Deception says it doesn't matter what Jesus says. It matters what I say, and if I'm the Antichrist, I'm, I'm raising myself up to a place of power where I, have the, where I have the platform to create truth, but he can't create truth because he's not truth. He's a liar. And he's going to continue to lie and deceive. He's going to continue to steal, to kill, and destroy. He's going to continue to use fear as a tactic, torture as a tactic. And he's going to continue to use anything he can to get people to worship him. There's a big difference between somebody fearing and manipulating and lying and deceiving and stealing and killing and destroying to get you to worship him than somebody who died for you. And somebody that says, love says, I give you a choice. 
Salvation is for every human being. And I paid the price for every human being, for every sin. I not only lived this life perfectly without sin, yet we're worship, they'll be worshiping somebody who's the son of sin. The difference between Jesus is he never had sin. And he took all of our sin. And he made a way for every person in all humanity to receive salvation. But he won't make you worship him. He gives you a choice. He gives you a free will. That's a huge difference between the Antichrist and the Christ. But do you see the counterfeit? Do you see how it looks like Christianity? How it looks like what you have in the word of God? It's going to be very close but twisted. And that's what the Antichrist does. He always counterfeits. Now, I'm going to get back to E. So guys, don't throw E up there. But F, he counterfeits the gifts. Notice Christianity is the only only gospel where you'll find gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts. And one of the things the Antichrist will do in verse 9 says that the coming of the lawless one and according to the working of Satan with all powers, signs, and lying wonders. I don't know about you, but this rocked me when I read this for the first time. Maybe you've never heard this before. But there are miracle signs and lying wonders that are not from God. I'll say it again. There are signs, wonders, and power that are not from God. And it's through the whole Bible, by the way. If you think about it, Moses, remember he had the staff, and there was a moment when he was talking to Pharaoh, and the staff turned into a snake, and then the sorcerer did the same thing. He turned something into a snake. Now, I don't know how that all works, but there was a false spirit and a true spirit, and they both, God revealed himself in one way, and then the enemy counterfeited in a similar way. And so in a similar way, just like the Holy Spirit gives you gifts, gifts of power, gifts of knowledge, gifts of understanding, gifts of prophecy, gifts of healing, gifts of faith, and the same way that God does that, the Antichrist is going to use gifts similar that look like the Holy Spirit. Lying wonders. Power. Miracles, but they're not from God. Do you think that's going to deceive a lot of people? Oh, yes, it will. In fact, Revelation says that Antichrist will have a huge wound on his head that's unlivable, but miraculously he'll be healed. And then people are going to think, well, you must be God. Again, Paul's saying, look, I don't want you to be ignorant. I need you to understand. Sure, it looks like he's God. It looks like it. But remember what I'm telling you. But I love this. Look at, uh, so let me go back to E. Knowing all of those things, knowing that there's false, there's going to be false teachings, false gospel, knowing that there's going to be signs and wonders and lying wonders, all of these things are happening that the Antichrist is doing. Watch how powerful Jesus is. In verse 8, it says this, and when the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume, listen to this, will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So all of this sounds very powerful. And, and look, I, I, I think if we see it, it, it is going to be pretty amazing. Miracles, signs, wonders, power, all of those things are, are when you see them, they're, they're, you have to look at what's the spirit behind it. 
That's why God says test all spirits. We read that a couple weeks ago. You've got to make sure you test the spirits. You've got to test the heart. You've got to understand who you worship and who you don't worship. But at the end of the day, we think Satan is so powerful and the Antichrist will be so powerful. And look, he'll fool a lot of people. He'll deceive a lot of people. Jesus said that, right? Narrow, narrow is the path for me and wide is the gates of destruction. Look, he's going to fool a lot of people. But when it all comes down, when Jesus comes and he defeats the Antichrist, it's not some big Armageddon war. There's not aliens coming and spaceships blowing up buildings and and gorillas climbing buildings. That's not the way it happens. It's cool and it's funny, but it's not the way it happens. All that happens is Jesus shows up. And the light and the glory of himself knocks the guy out. Now, if you're a big boxing guy or, you know, What's the other one? What is it, UFC or whatever it is? You know, imagine that. Like you get this, all this hype and all this stuff, like the Antichrist and Jesus. And the Antichrist comes in, does his thing, does all his bullying and fighting and yelling and screaming and raw and light show and all that. And then Jesus gets in the ring and he falls over dead. The match hasn't even started. Just the presence of Jesus knocks the guy out dead, completely flat. And I don't know what the breath part is, but with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So the, he gets destroyed by the brightness of his coming. And to me, I love it. I could just imagine Jesus going, he's laying on the ground. He goes, and he goes flying into hell for all eternity. That's, it. That's how powerful the God that you worship is. So don't be feared. Don't get worried. Don't let all this stuff rattle your faith. Look, you need to know that you know but you also need to know how great Jesus is. Sure, there's a, there's a time, and I don't get it. I don't understand why all these things have to happen, but I trust him. He's been faithful in every single thing. He's the one that got up out of the grave. That's one thing the Antichrist will never be able to do, That's right. is raise himself from the dead. But Jesus is that great. He's that good. Another thing we see here, the response of the earth. Here's another thing that we see is that Jesus, in verse, uh, let's look at verse 11. Actually, let's start in verse 10. It says, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of truth. They didn't receive the gospel that they might be saved. So the offer was there. They could have been saved, but they didn't want to receive the gospel. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, and they shall believe the lie. And they may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in our righteousness. One of the things you need to know is they, it was their choice. It wasn't a God, and this is one of the mysteries of lawlessness out there, that God couldn't send anyone to hell. That God doesn't have the heart to do that. Well, let me just tell you, God never intended for us to go to hell, ever. In fact, in Ezekiel, it says that he made the pit for the angels that fell. It was made for them, but because of the, uh, the unruly and the unrighteousness of people, he expanded that because of their choice. It wasn't that God didn't make a way for them. Oh, Jesus came and died and hung on the cross for their sins and yours and mine and the whole world's. He, think about this. Jesus died for those that wouldn't choose him. He still paid the price for them. It wasn't like, well, I know you're never going to choose me, so I'm not going to take your sin. No, he died for everybody. We're all on a level playing field. 
And the reality is, is the reason why they can't have eternal life with Christ is because they chose not to. Not because Jesus is being so harsh and he wouldn't let them in. It's because they made a choice to say, I don't want that gospel. I don't want that salvation. I don't want that eternity. Again, we need a good judge to stand in our place. Heaven will be a blessing. It will be amazing. It will be everything that God says it's going to be. But there can't be unrighteousness in heaven. Just like when Satan said, I want to be like God. I want to be lifted up. I want to be exalted. I want to be worshipped. I want to be like the most high. The moment that pride came in his heart, he was out of heaven. And in no way would God take that same pride that won't worship Jesus and put it back in heaven. That's why you need a good judge that knows all things and has never been wrong making good choices for all mankind and all eternity. And I don't know about you, but I trust him. Look, I don't like the idea of being eternally separated from God, but I love the idea that Jesus made a way for everyone. And Jesus was so good and so loving and so great that he made that possible for every person. But love says you have a choice. Love says I don't control you and make you worship me. That's what the Antichrist will do. Love says I freely, and I took the initiative myself, made a way for you. And I made you, and I love you, and I want you, and I desire you. You're my child. But I'll never make you worship me. That's a huge difference, isn't it? between Antichrist and Christ. So that's the earth's response. That's what's going to be happening on the earth. That's what's going to be happening there. Paul, I said this kind of in my speech a little bit, but Paul believed that it was Claudius. Claudius. He was the governor of Rome at that time. He, I, he truly believed, because he says this, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. He, already, he thought that it was his lifetime, he thought it was one of the people on his earth. So he thought, he tru- I, I, I'm telling you, he truly believed the second coming was happening while he walked. And I think we should walk in that same way. But he also believed that the, the government and the corruption was, was right in front of him. Just like many, of, many Christians and many other believers have done, wrongly, unfortunately. But let's not focus on the who is going to be the Antichrist. Let's focus on who the Lord is. And understand that there is lawlessness. There is a falling away that happened. There is going to be terrible things that are going to happen. Notice Paul doesn't say, hey, notice this is all written of, of like you're in the here and now, isn't it? It's, it's written in the context of, hey, this is when the, through the day of the Christ had come. Look, he doesn't say, hey, this is pre, post, or mid-trib. And look, I'm not discussing. I have my opinion. I have my belief of what, when Christ will come. But at the end of the day, if I'm wrong, I'm staying faithful to Jesus. Look, if it's post, man, I'm going to do my best to walk for Christ and stay faithful to Christ and be a man of God, even though I'm being threatened and persecuted and oppressed, just like the Thessalonian church was. Uh, I pray you do the same. If it's pre, praise God. If it's mid, I'm just as confused as either one of them. But Paul just says, look, the point is, Stay faithful to your relationship with Jesus. Stay faithful to Christ. Don't be deceived. Don't receive the false gospel. Don't let the the flashy miracles and false things happen, the power, the signs, the false wonders. Don't let all those things pull you in 
A big, big, big clear sign for all of us would be if we're, if we're in the middle of all this is there will be an antichrist sitting in a temple saying, come worship me. That should be a clear sign to you say, that's not God. Look, we can come together and worship, but I'm not God and you're not God. So if somebody is sitting in a temple saying, worship me, I'm God, there's a problem. I don't care what kind of wonders, I don't care what kind of signs, I don't care what kind of power he has. The problem is there's only one God. And Jesus said, nobody comes to the Father except through me, Jesus. And just like you saw last week with Farrakhan, they're going to say they're Jesus. They're going to say they're the Messiah. But if they're setting up shop in a temple, you know they're the, you're not, they're not the real thing. They're not God. If they're fearing people, if they're manipulating, they're oppressing people. That's why I love the word. I'm so thankful God gave us this. We need this. We need to know these things. So what's our response? Paul says, you stand firm. Second, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, 15 says, and for us, the church, Paul, us as believers, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. We're always thankful that God chose you to be among the first, to experience salvation, a salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief and truth. He called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Keep a strong grip, listen to this, on the teaching we pass on to you, both in person and by letter. Keep a strong grip, stand firm on the word of God, on scripture. Stand firm on the word of God. Stand firm that Jesus is the way, is the truth, is life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Stand firm on that. Stand strong on that. Know the word because the Antichrist is going to take the word and twist it. He's going to twist it. It's going to sound like the Bible, right? He did this with Jesus. It's going to sound like the Bible. Turn those rocks into bread. Don't you tempt me. He was quoting an Old Testament scripture. The Antichrist will use the Bible, but he's going to twist it and change it and modify it. That's why it's so important that we stand firm on what's written as is, not added or changed or transformed. And that's why we see in our culture today, we're trying to make all sin okay. It's not. Sin is not okay. I don't, call it what you want. But God hates sin. He loves people, but he hates sin. It's not about who the person is or what they identify with. It's the sin that he hates, but he loves all people. And he died for all people. He died for every sin. It doesn't matter what the sin is. He died for them all. And so this morning, just stay, stand firm on the word of God. Stand firm on the faith. Stand firm on the salvation that Jesus has given you. Stand firm knowing that the Holy Spirit's in you, that you can do this, that you can accomplish all that God's called you and destined you to do, that you are a child of God, that you are an ambassador, that you are the church, that you are righteous. Notice all this is talking about unrighteousness, those that are separated with God. Sometimes as believers, we identify more with the unrighteousness because that's how we see ourselves. But the truth is you've been, you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. You've been cleansed by God. You are righteous. It's not an ego thing. It's not an arrogant thing. It's not something we stand up here and go, hey, look at me, I'm righteous. We're righteous because of him. We're righteous because of his giftings and his goodness and his blood and his broken body. But at the end of the day, I'm righteous. You're righteous. You're the church. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. 
You're an ambassador of the Most High. You're standing and speaking for Christ himself. He chose you. He chose me. Stand firm on those things. Stand firm on who you are. Stand firm on Jesus. Stand firm on the Lord that you worship. Don't give in. Don't be deceived. There's going to be many that try to deceive. There are today. There always will be. There was then. You stand firm. And finally, Paul says this. You have confidence. In verses 4 or 5 of the same chapter, he says you have confidence. But before I read that, here's what he says. In verse 3, the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Have you ever thought about that as a believer? As a child of God? The Lord, not you. You're not strengthening yourself. The Lord will strengthen you, and he'll protect you from the evil one. That's not just a fancy term. God is literally standing on your behalf. He's literally spiritually fighting for you day in and day out. The angels are constantly battling. If you don't believe me, read in the Old and New Testaments. They're they're ministering to you. They're protecting you. They're guarding you. You may not be able to see it, but it's happening in the spiritual. There are angels. By the way, we have a lot more angels than the evil one. He's got a third Guess what? We have two-thirds, and we have Jesus, who can just show up, and he's dead. Thank you. I'm glad he's our leader. But he is always fighting for you, strengthening you, helping you, blessing you. Just when you think, I can't do any more, right? Scripture says, in my weakness, who's your strength? He's your strength. Fix your gaze on the Lord. Fix your focus, fix your attention, fix everything on Christ because that's where you find strength and he's guarding you, he's protecting you. Verse four and five says, and we're confident. We're confident in the Lord that you're doing and will continue to do the things we command you. May the Lord lead your hearts into full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. Paul says, look, you be confident and who you're serving. You keep doing, you keep working for the kingdom. Keep doing the work that God's called you to. Know, keep growing in your relationship. Look, we need to know the word. This, this isn't about knowledge, but we do need to know. We do need to study the word. We do need to pray. We do need to stand on the word. You keep growing in your relationship with Christ. Keep flourishing. Be confident in who you are. Keep confident in the worship that you have with Jesus. I'm so thankful for prayer. You know, when the Antichrist comes, you're going to be talking to God a lot. And even when he doesn't come, you're talking to God a lot. Get in a place in your relationship where you trust and you talk and you're transparent and you're leaning on the Lord because he's the Lord and we're following the Lord. We're his followers. We need his leadership. We need his direction. Be confident in that relationship you have with Christ. Keep flourishing. Keep growing in it is what Paul says. And then he says this, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always, and I love this, in every way. In every way that you need peace, he'll give you peace always, always. Not sometimes, he'll always give you peace. In every way you need it, he's going to give it to you, and the Lord be with you all. And if you come from a traditional background, and he'll say, and the Lord is with you, right? This is where it comes from. The Lord be with you all. And the Lord's with me and he's with you. 
his peace, his strength, and he's fighting for you. He's guarding you. Have confidence in that relationship with Christ. Have confidence in the salvation that he's given to you. Have confidence in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. Have confidence that he ascended from heaven and he went to the Father and he sent the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's in you. That God will never leave you or forsake you. Have confidence in the walk that God's given you, the plan and the purpose and the destiny that you and I have each individually together as one body, his church, that we all have a plan and a purpose. Be confident that you're called to do this work, that you are good enough, that you are a saint, that you are righteous, that you are good, that you are a child of God. Be confident in who you are. Keep walking. I don't care if the Antichrist is sitting on the temple and the church down the street or the sanctuary down the street. You be confident in what Christ has called you to do. You stand firm on the word of God. You don't be deceived. You don't bend. You don't back down. You stand for Christ. Christ, regardless of the persecution and the oppression, you are. You will never die. The Antichrist will threaten you with death, but you will never die. Stand firm and knowing if I'm absent here, I'm present there. Do what you weigh. Because my Lord will stand in front of you and you'll be done. You will be done, my friend. And if you say that to the Antichrist, he might kill you, but that's okay because he's going down in the ring with just the presence of Jesus my God will blow you off the mat. Stand to your feet. I just want to, let's just worship. I love, a, we're bringing back an oldie, but a faithful goodie. This is a good one. And so I just want us to stand. I want us to worship together. And really the words of this song go so well with what Jesus said and what Paul wrote about, about his coming and what Christ is and all that he is to us. And at the end of the day, he'll be faithful He'll be faithful to end evil once and for all. And so this song really speaks well to our soul and our spirits and who we are. Have confidence, church. Let's worship together.